If someone were to ask you to define what a Christian is, how would you respond? Would you say, well, a Christian is a believer in Jesus Christ? Or a Christian is a follower of Jesus Christ? A Christian is someone who has been born again. A Christian is a person who wants to live their life for the glory of God. A Christian is someone who has been saved from hell and is going to heaven. Each one of those definitions are true and good and appropriate. A definition you might not think of is the one I want to explore this morning. And that is that the Christian is someone who has been blessed beyond belief and exists in two different places at the same time. This morning I'm going to look at the Christian who has been blessed beyond belief. And this evening we'll consider the fact that the Christian exists in two different places at the same time. The Christian is someone who has been blessed beyond belief. There are blessings that come from the hand of God that are common to all mankind. For example, in the Sermon of the Mount, when Jesus was teaching that we're to love our enemies, he says, speaking of God the Father and his works, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, 45, for he, that is God, makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. The evil and the good, the just and the unjust, receive certain blessings in equal measure from God. You don't have to be a Christian to benefit from the rising of the sun. You don't have to be a Christian to benefit from the germinating of the seed and the ground because of the rain or the snow. There are common grace blessings that come to all mankind. However, there are specific, peculiar, unique, incredible, phenomenal, special blessings that are given to and belong only to those who are in Christ Jesus. And no unbeliever can or will ever experience them. And Paul is writing here in this letter to show to the believers at Philippi that that is the case. He wants these brothers and sisters in Christ and Philippi, these saints, these faithful ones in Christ Jesus, to stop and to think about that. To dwell about that reality in their lives. To mull over the fact of these blessings. To contemplate them. To consider them. To dwell in them. To spend time with them. He wants them to see these blessings for what they are. That they might live more consistently as believers in Christ. 
and that they might do so with joy in their heart. And we all need that. We all need to dwell in these blessings more than what we're doing. The residual effects of sin in your life and mine are so pervasive, capturing our hearts and directing our thoughts. The impact of our culture is so demanding. We try to keep our distance. But it's so pervasive. It's so incriminating. We try to protect ourselves and our children from it. But we are in the world. We have to live in the world. We're not to take the root of the hermit. We're not to separate from the world in the sense of excluding ourselves in a religious community. We're to live in the world. We're to live as light and salt in the world. But that very fact of living in the world does impact us. We cannot get away from the reality of what the world seeks to constantly communicate to us. And as a result, we often look merely at the issues and the problems in our lives. And of course, life can be difficult. Life's not easy. There are situations that come upon us unexpectedly that disturb us. But we're too quick, are we not? To descend into a negative mindset. To take on a critical, negative vein of thinking and behaving. You look at our lives and you see our lives. And we understand that we're saved. We understand that we're heaven bound. We understand that there are certain things that we're to live and do and practice and think and say. And yet something can come into our lives And it can make us almost dysfunctional. And it takes us into a place where we become judgmental and we become critical and we become censorious. And the issue really is not the problem. The issue is the fact that we have got ourselves into a situation where we have forgotten the magnitude of the blessings that are ours. We have set aside in all the activity of our life and the demands of work and the demands of home and the demands of the family. We've set aside that dwelling in the blessing that God gives to us. And so something comes along and it doesn't have to be a major thing. It can just be a fairly insignificant thing often. And yet it takes us into a place in our minds and our hearts we begin to look at our lives and begin to question ourselves. We begin to question those around us. We begin to question our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's because we have lost sight of the magnitude, the scope, and the scale, and the wonder of the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. We're looking at our lives from a glass that's not even half full when the reality is The glass is overflowing. We've just lost sight of it. The first thing we need to note is that the blessings that are beyond belief are from God in Christ. We've already considered how these men and women and we are Christians because of God's unmerited favor, His grace and His peace that He's given to us. Grace and peace to you 
from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those sermons online in grace and peace. Occasionally. I really would. I really would encourage you to go back and hear the glory of God's grace. And the beauty of His work in reconciling our hearts and our minds which were at enmity to Him. And bringing us in, in Christ to a new relationship with Him. There are truths in the Bible that we need to hear. The Word of God is important and significant. But there are things in the Word of God that are more significant than others. And there are truths that we need to dwell on more frequently and often than others. And hearing about the grace and the peace that God brings to us, I would put fairly high up in terms of the significance of those things in your life and mine. You can never hear enough of the fact that God comes to you in His mercy and His grace. You can never hear enough of the fact that you have been reconciled in Christ to God. Your soul, your mind, and your heart need that far, far more than what you imagine it does. Go back and listen. But I want to emphasize again that these blessings that are beyond belief comes to us entirely through the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. There is no blessing for the human mind, the human heart, and the human soul beyond Jesus Christ. When Peter is brought before the Sanhedrin in the infancy days of the New Testament church, he's asked, and it's in Acts chapter 4, by what power or by what name did you do this? He's re they're referring the Sanhedrin to the fact that many thousands of people have been converted by his preaching. And we read what Luke tells us, Luke says, that Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, the Lord Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Paul writes to, Tim to Timothy, his son in the faith, and he says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Everything that you are this morning as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are because of Jesus Christ. The fact that you are born again of the Spirit of God is because of Jesus Christ. 
And as Paul develops that truth in this glorious sentence of 202 words, he says regarding this, that there is no grounds for our redemption except for Christ. There is no basis for our forgiveness except for Jesus Christ. There is no context for adoption except for in Jesus Christ. We have no righteousness and we have no expectation of heaven apart from Jesus Christ. All the blessings beyond belief that you and I experience if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, past, currently, and in the future, all come from Jesus Christ. It is in Christ, in Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things in heaven and on earth, making peace by the blood of the cross, Paul writes to the church at Colossae. In Him, in the fullness of Christ, it is only in Him, it is only in Christ, it is only in His death, it is only in His resurrection, it is only in His ascension, it is only in His succession, it's only in His reign today over all creation that you and I have any spiritual blessing at all. And of course, you know that. And many of you believe that. But we must never tire of hearing that because the principal problems in our lives arise when we begin to drift from Christ into idolatry. Whether it's into idolatry of an image of ourselves, whether it's into idolatry of a desire for something in the church that hasn't been granted to us, whether it's into idolatry for a home, whether it's into an idolatry for a vehicle, whether it's into an idolatry for a practice, whether it's into an idolatry for a job, whether it's into an idolatry for our wife to be in a particular way or our husband to behave in a particular form, any and every idolatry that you and I wrestle with every day of our lives arises because of an insufficient understanding of what it means for us to be in Jesus Christ. That is the problem. That's the real problem. We understand it at a cerebral level, an intellectual level, a doctrinal level. But if we understood the fullness of Christ that we have, if we understood the magnitude of what it means to be in Christ, if we wrestled with that, if we grew in that, if we knew that every blessing we have comes because of union with Him, through Him as the head of the church. By grace, we are in His body. By grace, we serve with Him. By grace, we serve under Him. By grace, we are part of that vine that He is and the branches. By grace, we dwell in His presence. By grace, we delight in His work in our lives. By grace, we enjoy the truth that He is our mediator, our Savior, and our Lord. Why do you think Paul keeps writing through Christ, in Christ, because of Christ? Do you think it's because he thinks that people don't understand it? Do you know when you talk to someone and they tell you something 
and then they tell you it in a different way, and then they tell it in a different way. And then you see in their brain that they realize that they're talking too much and that words are just flowing out of their mouths and not really saying anything because they're trying to convince you. And you've already been convinced 10 minutes ago, but you just haven't had the chance because they haven't come up for air to tell them that you understand what they're saying. Is that what Paul's doing here? Is Paul saying to them, you people don't understand this, you don't get this. No, Paul keeps saying in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, because he knows the aptitude of the sinful heart to, devo- to divert, divorce Christ from the reality of the spiritual blessings that we have. He is conscious of the fact of the propensity of the heart and the mind to say, yes, I'm in Christ, part that, and then let's go on and look at the blessings we have in Christ. But somehow, in the process of parting the doctrine of salvation in Christ, and then moving on to the blessings that we have, the phenomenal blessings, these spiritual blessings, that we then fall into this pride-filled arrogance of thinking that somehow we have contributed to our redemption. Somehow we have contributed to our forgiveness. Somehow we have contributed to our being adopted. Somehow we have contributed to us being the praise of the glorious grace of God. Somehow in our selfishness, even as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a huge capacity, a phenomenal propensity to divorce ourselves from Christ. We do it without thinking. We do it without thinking. We saw this morning in the Bible class when we considered the act of repentance. And we looked at the fact that there are some sins that are just so huge that we almost feel as if we can't repent of them. And we considered that. And we saw the reason that we feel that and able to repent of certain sins is not because of their hugeness. It's because of our self-centered thinking that the repentance is due to our activity. And our failure to understand that our repentance is a grace, it's a gift of God to us. That repentance is an act that rises out of the tap roots of God's grace to us. And so when there's sin in our lives and we think this is too big for me to deal with, what we're really saying is that I'm denying the work of Christ in my life. I'm denying the work of grace in my life. Rather than saying of any sin in my life that I can repent of it, not because I somehow of my own volition will take ownership of this and I will destroy it, but rather because I am incapable of doing anything with it apart from Jesus Christ. Does Paul not write that? No, as Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We have a a great capacity to put a semicolon behind that and say, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Well, we we can do this and we can do that, but there are special things that we need Jesus for. No, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, period. 
And so when Peter, Paul here is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says that he was, you were chosen in Him. They know that, but he's telling them, you cannot forget this. When he says, in love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, he's saying, they say, we know that. And he's saying, but you have a tremendous capacity to forget it. When he says to them that we have been saved in Christ, and it's in Christ and the Beloved we've been redeemed through His blood. Of course, I know that. I know that. But when it comes to living out my life, when it comes to living through the jealousies of my life, when it comes to living through the, the anxieties in my life, when it comes to living through the sins in my life, when it comes to living through the anger and the frustration in my life, somehow I forget that. Jesus is dying on the cross is my means to heaven. No, Jesus is dying on the cross is my means to everything. Everything in my life. And so these blessings that come to us come to us in and through Christ. And the second point we note is that these blessings that are beyond belief are spiritual. Man by his nature is not really interested in the spiritual. His life is consumed with the things of the world. Things of material. We've seen that in the singing of that psalm earlier, Psalm 49. That which appeals to his pride and his arrogance. And we understand the reason for that. It's not a mystery. It's because man in his natural condition is dead and his life is governed by the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We understand why man is not a spiritual being. Yes, he is religious, but there's a difference between being religious and being spiritual. So talk of spiritual blessings is alien to the, to the natural soul. The mind is darkened. The mind is hostile. The heart is at war with God. The natural man doesn't want to hear anything about spiritual truth. But we as Christians, we have been born again of the work of the Holy Spirit. We are in an entirely different place. Our minds have been renewed. They have been opened to spiritual blessings. Our hearts have been regenerate, which means they are receptive to spiritual blessings. As Paul writes to Titus and he says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly. Through who? Jesus Christ. You and I who are in Christ, we are spiritual people. I'm not talking about your coming to church, I'm not talking about your reading of the Bible or you're praying. 
I'm talking about your nature. I'm talking about a divergence between those in this room this morning who remain dead in their trespasses and sins and have no spiritual reality about them and those who are sitting in this room who are truly converted. Those who are not spiritual and those who are spiritual because they received a phenomenal transformative work of the Spirit in their lives. It's a phenomenal thing to be a spiritual human being. Again, I am not talking about action or activity. I am talking about nature and new nature. In Christ Jesus. I'm talking about the difference between those who are dead and those who are alive. And that spiritual being, that work of the Spirit in the Christian's life is something that is truly staggering. It is phenomenal. It is almost unbelievable. Our wrestlers, you see, that the dimensions of our face and the color of our hair and the intonation of our voice doesn't change when we become a Christian. When the Spirit renews our minds and our hearts, there's nothing that really physically changes, unless, of course, it's a person who has abused their body and by the work of God in their hearts and their minds, they cease that abusing of their body and they regain a measure of the beauty of the image of God in their life. But I'm speaking in general. But there is a phenomenal gulf between the person who is dead and separated in their trespasses from sins and the person who is alive in Jesus Christ by the work of the Spirit. And that person who is, who is alive in Jesus Christ Paul says, has been blessed by God, has had an imposition of blessing upon them, and that imposition of blessing upon them in Christ is that they have been granted every spiritual blessing that is possible in the heavenly realms, every spiritual blessing that is conceivable, every spiritual blessing that is needed, every spiritual blessing that could be thought of. There's nothing that's been left out. There's nothing that's been forgotten. We look at our lives on earth and I, and I say, I want this. I would like to have that, but I can't afford it. Our lives are full of wants. Your life and my life is full of wants. Every day we have wants. That's why we get so frustrated. That's why we get so annoyed at times. Why? Because it's not our want that's being satisfied. That's why we're filled with anxiety, fear, because my want has not been realized. Every day we're a milieu of, 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 of going through our minds and our hearts of wants and wants and dreams. And, uh, and we just we're, we crave this incessantly. 
We want something else. We get it, and then we, it's not good enough. We want something bigger. We want something more. It's that incessant need within our souls from the old nature that says what God gives to us is not enough. But the reality is that in Christ, every spiritual blessing we could ever want is there. Every single spiritual blessing. Is that not astonishing? How much have you considered the spiritual blessings that you have? How much time have you mulled upon those spiritual blessings? If you're able to do a calculation of the time that you spent this last week mulling over and craving certain physical wants, certain emotional needs to feel, to be felt loved and cared for, to want something that you don't have, that is of a material nature. And then you are to compare the amount of time that you spent mulling over the multitude of spiritual blessings that God has given you. And you're to look at those two columns. Which one would be the fuller of the two? Which one would have lots of things on it? And which one would have maybe a wee tiny jotting on it? And yet, all the cravings of our hearts and all the wants of that which is material or other things, position, status, whatever, better relationships, better job, different people, all those things are dying. They're all dying. They're all going away. I talk to some of the older folk in the congregation, young people, about the dreams they had. And I'm not against having you having dreams. It's good to think about the future. It's totally acceptable. It's necessary. But when that crosses over into insatiable desires and wants for things that you will never be able to realize. You've got to ask yourself the question, why am I spending so much time in this when God has given me every spiritual blessing in Christ? Why am I pandering after these things when God has told me that he chose me before the foundation of the world? Why am I getting consumed and worried and anxious about this when God says that he has forgiven me and predestined me into an inheritance that never can perish, spoil, or fade, what is it about my mind and my heart that I want to chase after that which is inconsequential, that which makes no difference, that which will ultimately die when I have this multiplicity, this multifaceted, this every spiritual blessing, I have it for the searching out I mean, what is it with us that we don't, we don't seek into these things 
and we don't pursue into these things, and we don't we don't mentally appropriate these things. Are they not? Is it not incredible what God has done for us in Christ? Is not the choosing us before the foundation of the world an incredible thing? Is not the redemption of us an incredible thing? Is not God's desire to have us to be holy and blameless an incredible thing, an unbelievable thing? Is not the fact that we are adopted into His family a, a, a truly, truly astonishing thing? And yet, we spend a lot of our time thinking about things that are of absolutely no use to us. It's almost madness. It's almost madness. But God understood that. That's why he had Paul write this letter to the Ephesians and to us. That's why he begins to open these things up to prepare us that we as we might look at these things might not just tuck them away and take them for granted but that we might dwell on them. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you that in Christ you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Not just many, not just the vast majority, but every spiritual blessing. We ask you to forgive us, please, wherein we have been nonchalant or negligent, ambivalent, or even contemptuous towards the spiritual blessings that you have given us in Jesus Christ. Forgive us for our ignorance of them, for even the one in this congregation, whoever that is, who has dwelled on these things the most, still, still has only scratched the surface. And what a glorious thing it is that we can give ourselves Give ourselves to the consider of these, consideration of these spiritual blessings and never exhaust them. Never reach their end. Because it's new every day what you bring to us in Christ Jesus. We truly are phenomenally and wonderfully blessed human beings. In Jesus' name, amen.